Greg Kissarm. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 200 of the Kiss FAQ podcast. It's a milestone, and uh, I never thought we'd get to 50, let alone 100, let alone 150, 200, and we're still talking about Kiss. So uh, our friends at Three Sizes of the Coin have just uh, recorded their 300th episode, so congratulations to those guys. I'd like to take the opportunity to thank you, Mark, you, Lonnie, and you, Ken. You're kind of the regular guys on this show, the components that make it all that it can be, and I very much appreciate being a part of a show with you guys. You're all really fun to hang out with uh, in person as well as on the webs, and you all bring a lot to this show and to other ones that you're involved in and uh, have participated in. So thank you very much. I'd also like to give a shout-out to people like Alan, Alex, Andrew, Chris, Daniel, uh, Joel, Jay, uh, who else? Sean, Michael, Andy. Yeah, Andy's been on a few. Um, Jared, who was on once. Mm-hmm. Carl, and of course, the Mighty Mitch, who've all been on various shows as co-hosts, panelists, partners, um, and whatnot. Every single one of you have contributed. And I think most importantly, out of everything that we need to thank today as we do our 200th episode is you the listeners the people who sit there and tolerate our wafflings our pontifications our incomplete thoughts um and everything else so uh let's just go around and uh, if anyone wants to say anything it, uh, to mark this momentous occasion before the hurricane hits and uh you know prayers to everyone on the east coast who's affected by that um you know mark why not we go go to you first well, um, I think you took a lot of the words out of my mouth. I mean, I, I was surprised that we got this far. Not really surprised, but I was, you know, when you start doing this, you never really think that you're going to get to 200 or 300 episodes doing this. And uh, again, I know I've mentioned this before, but, you know, I really enjoyed doing this. And if it wasn't for me doing this and with you giving me a chance to come on here and regularly regularly participate in this, I don't think I would have even dared try to co-host that other podcast, the Yes one that I do, because I didn't I didn't have nearly the courage to do this kind of a thing unless I would have done it here with you. So thanks, Julian, for giving me the chance and giving me the proper training to get prepared for that kind of a thing to do. So and again, thanks to the listeners and the followers and stuff like that. I mean, even though I get egged a lot, but, you know, still, I'm, I'm used to it now, so no problems. Damn it. I forgot Nigel. Why is he not on my list here? Oh, yeah. Nigel. I'm <laughs> sorry. And he was on the first episode as well. You have to remember, I did not want to do a podcast. I had uh, turned down the the opportunity to kind of fill in for someone on another podcast when he left that show. I didn't want to do it. And you know what? I've had a great time. I've had a great time doing this show and also all the other shows that I've been fortunate to guest on as well. Ken, how about you? Yeah. Uh, when this started, I, I didn't know uh, if... For instance, first of all, if I would last on the podcast, <laughs> how long I would last or, or versus, you know, how long the, you know, many years we've been doing it now uh, and it's 200 episodes. So uh, we must be doing, I don't know if we're doing something right or wrong, but. Uh, or, or we're just I, really stubborn. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but I, I thank you for the, you know, the, the companionship, friendmanship, uh, you know, meeting you guys and, and being able to, to talk kiss and that's. That's the main thing. What it was all about, um, and I, I learned a lot. I don't I don't pretend to know everything about Kiss, but I learned a lot from uh, each and every one of you and and others that have been on here. So uh, it's it's just a good time, and and I hope we can she uh, maybe make it another two hundred. Don't know about that, but you know, keep keep going as long as it's fun. You know, let's keep it week to week, eh? You know, uh, Lonnie, yeah, as not the voice of reason, wearing your Bengals hat. Uh, oh, your thoughts? Treason. I I I'm sorry. You couldn't beat the Cleveland Browns I, on I, I initially thought it was a Browns hat. You know, you know, the, the, the sort of team that well, only, they are. The, well, the Browns are off to their best start since 2004, going 0-0 and 1 after one week. Unde- right. un- undefeated. There you go. Undefeated after one week. So congratulations to everyone in Cleveland. But, um, you know, I 
have thoroughly enjoyed being a regular participant on this show. Um, I have told the story before on the show that people who listen to the show may or may not know that after Mitch left Three Sides, I auditioned and did a show with Three Sides um, and wasn't selected. And they went with Mark, which is great. Mark's a great guy. But I was really disappointed that I didn't get that gig. And I was considering starting my own KISS podcast at the time that the FAQ started their own. And I saw a throw on the board. They were doing it. I didn't participate in, in week one, but then I, I, I messaged Julian on the board and said, hey, I'm really interested in doing this. And he brought me aboard and I've been a regular ever since and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think my wife thanks you, Julian, for starting this podcast more than anyone else because it gives me an hour just to talk kiss and I don't have to come home and, and talk to her about it because she could really care less. So. <laughs> um, she, so, she, she doesn't appreciate the travel of going to nice places like Nashville or Atlanta and hanging right. out behind a table. World traveler going to Nashville and Atlanta and being part of of, of kiss events she's she's thrilled so but no i i in all seriousness i i've thoroughly enjoyed it and i i look forward to you know however many more episodes we do whether it's the other 200 or whether it's two more yeah absolutely you know we never know what's going to happen and again there are so many kiss podcasts out there that uh you know that i I don't think if anyone goes it doesn't really matter because there's always a void to fill and there's so much brotherhood between the majority of the podcasts that you'd probably see someone popping up we've always tried to have people from other shows on this one or participate in shows with them um you know a good example of that uh, just this past weekend was i was on the lipstick panel doing a countdown for uh, what album were we doing look it up look it up and uh the three guys from ages of rock who have been fortunate to hang out with a couple of times and they're, they're a really fun joined uh greg and steve and uh so did uh the new i love it loud cast guy and i sorry can't remember your name off the top of my head you're still so new so you know that that's what it's about to me it's about getting out there and also talking other bands other things mark you do the yes podcast as well and you know you get other itches to scratch so you know it's really fun just looking back at that debut um i probably haven't developed much i know that much but uh god alex daniel and nigel were on that first episode so um, Mm. alex if you're watching congratulations to you and yours um, yeah so you know it, it's like a really positive week i mean i'm in a happier place i mean um i've just been through a whole bunch of hard tests and just had to all clear not to cancel the cruise so very happy about good. that Got that's it. good so awesome let's talk some kiss today because and we'll start off with happy birthday to this mm-hmm. monstrosity okay. released on the same day as uh a, an album i'd much rather talk about tooth and nail by Dawkins, of course um but <laughs> since we're to celebrate this thing's birthday i don't know if we've ever given this the full treatment and i'm not really in the mood to today but um let's just go over your first impressions and you know the first time you heard animalize or experienced animalize ken you probably experienced it on the day it was released yes i did <laughs> um it you know i enjoyed it you know, like any new Kiss album, you get you're so excited and to to bring, get it home and and hear the music. Uh, you know, this new music from Kiss, which is always a good thing. Um, of course, we already already knew about Heaven on Fire. Um, I remember buying that single even before the album came out. Um, and I think it was an import single. Um, but uh, having said that, um, you know, I thought it was it wasn't you know bad. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed songs like, like I said, Heaven's on Fire and uh, Get All You Can Take. Um, even Burn, Bitch, Burn, you know, it was was good to me. Uh, I know it trailed off a little bit on the second side at the very end. Um, but otherwise, it's still, it's not a horrible album, but it's, it's thought of as one of the bottom you know, tier albums uh, for Kiss and popularity, but I, I still, if I listen to it, I still, you know, get joy out of hearing a lot of the music on it. It's a great review. It's not a horrible album. 
<laughs> yeah, I, and I'm gonna come. I, I'm gonna come back to you. Well, Ken, some people you know. think it is. It gets that reputation. So yeah, so we'll come back around for best and worst on the album, and you know what you think of it. Did you see them during the tour? I did. Yeah. Which show? And, did, which uh, show did you? I want to say it was. I, I can't remember if it was the Cow Palace or or in Oakland on that one. Um, maybe it was Oakland. Probably, I think it was Oakland off the top of my head. At, at the Henry J. Kaiser. Yes. Uh, which is that now? Oakland no, Auditorium. Oh. Yeah, can't remember. Whatever. But anyway, it it was in the Bay Area, and uh, I remember seeing it, and uh, it was. It was good. It was the one concert, though, which I remember at the beginning uh, when we were waiting in line outside and they have the metal barricades and things. And uh, it was, uh, you know, a wild crowd. And I thought we were going to get trampled and crushed. (laughs) Really, seriously. (laughs) It was really strange to me. It's like I started thinking of the Who concert, you know, where people died of like, Oh crap! What's going on here? I was like they need some they need to get hold of the the people. Um, it was really weird, um, but otherwise, you know, it was a great show from what I remember. Um, I guess that's the one where I can't get any mixed up. The one where he did the uh, had the Michael Jackson doll. Is that the one? That's or probably the one eighty four or eighty five, okay, depending yeah, where you were. Yeah, it's about the time. But anyway, uh, it, it was real good, from what I remember. Uh, it doesn't stand out as one of their better stages or anything like that, uh, because it doesn't compare it to Tank or, or the you know Leon uh, Sphinx and so on. But uh, it was still, I'm sure, a good show. I know it wasn't bad. I know. The only one I kind of was disappointed as far as live concerts was was the uh, you know Crazy Nights tour. Mm. So uh, who who was the opening act for your show? Was it uh, Queensrÿche or Wasp? I think it was yeah, I think it's Queensrÿche. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. That would have been good. And they were okay. Yeah, they were pretty good. Of course, Mark would say they're a good proggy proggy guy up there. <laughs> Lonnie, what about you? Because obviously, like me, you're a bit later to the game when it comes to these these albums. What was your first encounter with Animalize? For and- sure, um, I um, Animalize was actually one of the first albums I had as a child. Um, I think I got it for my birthday or or Christmas around you know eighty. 485 something in that area um but i think i've told this on this show before my mom was not a fan of kiss when i was a kid and i had the album on cassette and when you open up the cassette you know it was that that picture of the band standing over like that string of fire or river of fire whatever the hell it was and my mom thought that was terrible and she i swear she threw it away because one day i went back to my room and it was gone and I'm like, I'm like, hey, mom, did you see my my Kiss Amelia's cover? She goes, oh no, I, I think the dog ate it. <laughs> oh, that I'm away. stupid, you know, I'm stupid. I'm, I'm not that dog. So, <laughs> but um, but no, I I loved Amelia's as a kid, and I and I still like it. It you know, it has a special place in my heart because it was one of the first albums I had as a kid. So it it's like I'll agree with Ken though. It's not horrible, but it's <laughs> yeah, not. Right. But I wouldn't put it in my top, you know, ten Kiss albums though either. But, but it, it is it's special to me for sentimental reasons. All right, Mark. So you were you were kindly showing everyone, and this is for the visually impaired who are listening to us on iTunes, the uh, the Canadian Heavens on Fire single. Uh, thank you, because it makes me not have to go dig out a flaming tennis ball European cover yeah, for that, that same single, which is which that's is the, the horrible the the worst <laughs> single cover ever, perhaps, um, apart from a couple of other ones uh, released in England do come pretty close. What was your first encounter with Animal Eyes, and uh, just tell us a little bit about your history with it? Well, um, actually, it was that single, to be honest, because I remember seeing the. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw the video and my sister, who was, you know, the big kiss person in the house at that time. I'm I'm very sure that she got the record when it came out. I would have been like, geez, like 11 years old at that time. And I'd already been introduced to kiss the year before. So, um, so I, I, when I got, when I, when she had it, she played it quite frequently. And I remember heaven's on fire being played a lot in the house. And in fact, 
Well, it was actually funny that, that you brought this up because what we used to do, I don't know how many uh, people of European or Eastern European background watch this show, but what used to be very popular to do is when people immigrated over to Canada, we would send back cassette recordings back to our families back overseas. And we would talk on you know little microphones on our cassettes and talk about what happened in the family and blah, 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 and keep them updated on what's going on in Canada. And one of the things we used to always do is play them a song or two that was pretty popular in the top 10 or 40 here in Canada and record it and send it back to them. And I remember my sister put Heavens on Fire on cassette for them and sent it back to Czechoslovakia at the time then. So that was, I remember clearly that that was the big song. We were listening to it all the time, that record in the house. So that's really the introduction to it. I never got the record proper until years later because there was no point that my sister had it there. I heard it through the house like, you know, so many times. So it, it didn't really make a sense for me at that time to get it. But I did get it later on. And like you guys, it's not the worst record, but it's definitely not my favorite. So obviously as a guy who got into the band with Asylum, I don't remember Animalize. And it's always been – I've probably said it 50 mm-hmm. times on this show. I lived in Binghamton, fucking New York. And had <laughs> I been a fan a year earlier, then I would have seen a Mark St. John performance. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, uh, that's right. It, it still eats me up to this day. But you know what? If you're late to the party, you're late to the party. So I would have seen the Heavens on Fire video on uh, MTV because I, I just watched it continuously. I don't remember it before I became a fan of Kiss because of the Tears Are Falling, uh, All Night videos and all that stuff. Then I remember it and it's like, oh, this is really cool. This is, you know, my music. I, I sound like a Paul Stanley lyric from Crazy Nights. These are it makes people. me proud. Yes. Uh, <laughs> turn it up to 11. <laughs> so I got animalized soon after Asylum, you know, because Asylum was obviously the first album I bought uh, because it was new. The Heavens on Fire video, it would have been, you know, one of those things. I think, uh, what was it? Uh, Thrills in the Night was out by the time I, I finally mm-hmm. got the album. I played the shit out of Asylum and Animalize. And to this day, I hate Animal Eyes because I loved it so much when I was 14. So (laughs) it was only after going back through the Kiss catalog that I completely did an about face and said, oh, no, this is garbage compared to. And, Mm. you know, I completely fell for the. Well, when you do put it next to Love Gun or Rock and Roll Over or Destroyer, you don't. You you just have to take it within the context of the year and the music and everything that it was being recorded. I I always thought Burn Bitch Burn was stupid. Uh, Lonely was the even hunter. at fourteen. Even at fourteen, did you think Burn even Bitch Burn was stupid? At, even at okay. fourteen, just I to thought, put it in context, I thought that was completely <laughs> idiotic. Paul's stuff on this album, apart from Thrills in the Night, which Doing I just that. I hated at the time. <laughs> was fantastic but gene's stuff i was like holy shit this is horrible but i played the shit out of the album anyway and i i knew the words to every song and i sang it and then you know if i got on the bus with my little boom box i had animal eyes in asylum so fucking loved it but i hated it of course so go figure uh, let's talk about favorite songs on the album i mean what are the ones i i can immediately say opening track I've had enough. Again, very, very strong. We've talked about Exciter, King of the Mountain, Creatures of the Night. They really had good opening tracks on the albums in the mid-80s. For whatever else happened to those albums after you got past track one, fantastic track. Heavens on Fire, I like less than stuff like Under the Gun. I like it less than While the City Sleeps. That's like what... That might be one of my guilty pleasures. Uh, it, it's just one of those things. Mark, what about you? Well, I have to agree. I mean, um, I've had enough. Is probably one of the better opening tracks that they've had on record. I mean, I remember when, like I said, my sister got the record. When she first put it on, that was like, uh, you know, came out like thundering out of the speaker. I was like, wow, this is really impactful and very strong opening song. And I really, I really liked it. And then from there, it went right into you know, Heaven's on Fire, which was the single that everyone was already familiar with. So the record, to me, started out very strong. And then as it went on, to me, I just found that it kind of gradually did this, like, slope 
down in quality of songs because I mean my favorite songs off there are pretty much at the beginning. So um yeah, so I, I Why think Why do you that, hate murder in high heels? <laughs> because it's weak and uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, poorly Mark, written. What was that? Sorry. It's I'm, weak. There, there's static on the line. Sorry. <laughs> not not hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i i don't i've never liked that song i don't like lonely is the hunter either i think those are like phoned in songs as okay. far as i'm concerned what about paul stanley gems like get all you can take i mean is that like a pantheon of quality or thrills in the night i mean they're both really dirgy i mean yeah gene stuff is a little bit weak but paul apart from you know the opening track and under the gun and heavens on fire you know his other two i wouldn't say for me are kind of the highest quality paul that we've ever had the pleasure of listening to well the the thing is though those two at the top are really good the other song that i put in my top three ironically was get all you can take because i think that's one of the songs that i actually didn't mind from that first side as well um you're going to be kind of surprised with this, but I, I really don't like Under the Gun. That solo at the very top that St. John does just sounds like like seven angry bees in a jar with a microphone inside there. It just sounds like out to lunch, that solo. It just totally threw me off the very first time I heard it. I'm like, what is he doing? Like, But, you know, I understand the purpose of that song. They needed something upbeat and something, you know, to keep the ball rolling on side two. So it makes perfect sense, right? So... Um, you know, but I, I think that Paul's songs still overall are stronger than Gene's. I mean, that's just my opinion. Yeah, that's probably close to fact, actually. But Ken, what about you? Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, I, I enjoyed it when I first got it. Um, and I want to say that I enjoyed all the songs on side one pretty much for the most part. And then, you know, over time, Burn, Bitch, Burn became more of a, you know, it's like, eh, you know, you could have done better than that. Uh, or it would have been nice have, had they used some of the vault stuff uh, that didn't, you know, that never made it on the album. You know, Gene Simmons' vault, he had some songs, other songs that were better than the material that ended up on here. Um, so, you know, get on all you can take. I really enjoy, uh, always enjoyed that one. Of course, uh, Heavens on Fire, you know. Um, Loneliness Hunter, I always liked that one, too. Um, and then side two was a, a tough side for me, except for, you know, thrills in the night. I, I never liked under the gun, kind of like Mark. I just never liked that. Uh, I just thought it was too much of a reach to try to make another, that, that was more like a, uh, trying to follow s some other trends. Um, I, I think in style on that one. Um, but thrills in the night, I thought it was great. Uh, man, that should have been a huge hit, but you know, it did okay. I guess it just they got they, they released it, and that was about it. Um, but then, the, yeah, the Gene Simmons songs at the end, yeah, that's not his best material. At the end, um, they some good riffs, the real good riffs, but they're kind of like uh, not finished, you know, uh, thought out, complete these these songs kind of thrown together. But I think they had some great riffs in them, so. Anyway, I again, first side, I enjoy I enjoy it pretty much, you know, all the way through. The second side, then is yeah, the tough side for me. And musically, it's strong or strong enough for the era. Lyrically, it's sold. Not so much. So it sold a lot of copies though, right? It did. Yeah. Oh yeah, it sold more than Lick It Up, didn't it? Yeah, thanks yeah. to Vinny. <laughs> Lonnie, what, what's your take? I do like I'm with Julian. I do like I've had enough into the fire and Heaven's on Fire. Great one two punch for for any album. Um but and I and I will agree with that when you flip when you flip the record over it, it goes downhill. Because so far downhill that Lonnie <laughs> Froze. Oh, we are frozen. Lonnie, Lonnie, are we froze? 
I'm not. Who can hear me? I can hear I you. I can hear you. I apologize then. All right, so let's let's talk about um, least favorites. You know, get all you can take from me. Thrills in the night, and really? uh, which Gene song am I gonna throw under wait the bus? Minute, wait a minute, you, you said <laughs> Thrills in the Night as one of your least favorite. Yeah, I, I am not a fan of that. It's just, oh. it's boring. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> and I'm gonna have to go with Burn, bitch, Burn, lyrically, because again, I think musically, yeah, lyrically is the problem. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's the lyrics, it's, it's not the music, it's not the production. Yeah. I think the production's really good, and I know Michael James Jackson <laughs> came back in to do the drums on this one, uh, but Paul, you know, and associate producer Gene Simmons, you know, did, <laughs> throw him a bone. You know, did did a perfectly you know adequate job on that. Um, it was always interesting listening to the work tapes, you know, which I was able to get off or from Mark from all the kind of stuff that he was noodling around with in parts for the animalized sessions that really give you kind of a window into a lot of the stuff that Paul was doing producer wise with the, the variable speed overlays, the doubling up, um, you know, love the. Obviously, the vocal warm-up for him that became the beginning to Heaven's on Fire. So, you know, the strong stuff is really strong, and the weak stuff is really weak. Um, Mark, your picks. Yeah. We, we <clears throat> well, my my bottom three are the ones I think I kind of mentioned. I mean, Lonely is the Hunter is just something that I just never really um, kind of connected with. Like, I, I mean, there's, there's being simple in writing and then there's kind of being like no no effort really and i think gene could do better than that i mean the funny thing is i believe isn't this the one that had uh bruce kulik do the solo in it because i think that when i heard it he did the solo on lonely as the hunter yeah yeah That's lonely as the hunter yeah that 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 one i could when i listen back to it now it it sounds very much like him now like i mean you know when you listen to it you can totally pick it out that it's him playing it you know um murder in high heels is the same kind of thing for me like i i think it's just one of those situations where you know gene was busy with other things at the time and he just you know went in tracked a couple of songs that he thought were decent and got the heck out of there and went and did his other stuff i I think if he would have focused more on it and wrote you know with a bit more heart behind it i think he could have did better stuff i mean my third one that i put in there is on under the gun like i said it's rare for me to pick a Paul song in my bottom three because I usually think he writes pretty solid stuff. I mean, for the most part, but I mean, just that song to me is, is, I think it suffers from what Ken was saying earlier. I think that he was trying to stay in what was with what was hip at the time and writing from that perspective rather than just going with what his strengths are. Yeah, Yeah, I I, I I have to agree. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm trying to add Lonnie back in, so I apologize okay. for being a little bit distracted between beer, uh, my day at work, <laughs> and Skype. It's a little bit of a challenge. Ken, let's go to you on that same uh, same wrap up. Yeah. Randomize. I mean, to the other part of the show. Yeah, if we're talking about the bottom three, uh, I you know I have to agree with Mark. Really, uh, I mean, except for the most part, um, the three songs, three of the four songs on side two. I mean. Thrills in the Night is the only one I, I think is the best one there. And then, yeah, Under the Gun, no, no. And then the, the, you got you got your two you. uh, Gene Simmons songs that are, you know, they're unfinished. They're just mm-hmm. not finished. Uh, so those are, those are the three that, you know, fall by the wayside for me. Yeah. Lonnie, we're talking about our uh, bottom three songs on the album here. Um, I can't remember if, if you had already done yours. Can, see or not. can you guys see me or not? I can see you, which is all oh, that yeah. matters. I can so. see you. You can see my. I, I, have, a, I have a face for YouTube. Um, you have a face for <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> yeah, I feel sorry for the people that listen to this in their car. They probably fall asleep. My bottom three. My bottom three for the album have got to be "Lonely as the Hunter." There's a lot to choose from here. Lonely as the hunter. <laughs> While the city sleeps. And thrills in the night. And thrills in the night, yeah. 
Wow. No. Yes. Come on. Come on. You guys are just going to sit here and defend thrills in the night. Yeah. Well, over murder and high heels, yeah. There's a lot to choose from, but I I will say. All right. All right. My next question is going to really flip your wig. All right, Mark, you are hired as a consultant for the Gene Simmons Band. Which one of these Gene songs are you going to have Phil, Ryan, and those and those boys perform with Gene? Which one of these Gene these Gene gems are you going to have added to the Gene Simmons Band set list? Wow. Okay. Um, that, that that's an interesting question. Um, I think I know which one right away just entered into my head, and I think I would pick this one mainly because of the fact that it's so, like, it's so popular amongst the Kiss community for the wrong reasons. I'd say burn, bitch, burn. I think everybody would probably want to hear it because it's such a bad song. It's like people have talked about it so much through the years, like this terrible song, but I think if he played it, he would get a big round of applause for it. I really mm-hmm. think he would. That that would be hilarious. I mean, he has recently done Fits Like a Glove, so I don't think there's anything that he can auto-cue lyrically, and that band can, <laughs> that band can play anything. So, yeah. uh, Lonnie, which song? No, I say which Burns, song? Burns, Bitch, Burn. Burns, Burn, Bitch, Burn. There's no question. I think the crowd would go would go nuts. They'd love it. Ken. No question. No question. Uh, yeah, make that... <laughs> Make that three of us, uh, because you know, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's so cheesy. It's just to make it great, great that you know. Oh, I can't believe he's doing this song, you know. Um, and you know, I like like I said, yeah, they they would crap get a total hey, rise yeah. out of it, and pull, the same way as you know, people have given bad rap to she's so European, and mm. they're loving that one. They are that killing. They're totally killing so, that live. It's wonderful. Some of these songs just trans you know translate better live anyway um and yeah. maybe that one would be totally you know out of this world kind of thing so they were just out of this world 35 years <laughs> too oh. soon <laughs> all right i i'm just gonna be a sheep than agree with all of you i mean i i think it would be hilarious i think it would be better to have all the cameras actually pointing at the audience if he was to rip into that because it, it, you know, it, it would be hilarious, and it's probably the most up-tempo song on there that he doesn't have to worry about his singing technique or doing properly. He could just yeah. basically wing it and see them at the end of the song. Um, so that would be hilarious. It, I, it would actually be really good fun because, again, it's the up-tempo Gene song. The other two, you know, I was thinking Murder or While the City Sleeps. No, they're too slow. Let that mm. ba- let that band fly and just don't give the audience time to actually process what they're saying. It's been it's been done live before, hasn't it? So you know, I think once. So <laughs> cool shit. A whole one time. <laughs> A whole one time. Like get all you can take, which kind of says it all. If you never go back to it, I think they did tr- play a little bit of it acoustically on the uh, convention tour. Nah, it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. I do you remember. Mm. Yeah. All right, so let's get into uh, another one of the things that we're celebrating in September. I mean, every single show we do this month should really be only about the albums that re- were released this month, which you have gems like Asylum, mm-hmm. which, yeah. which no one really wants to talk about again, but I do realize that. And, of course, it's the 40th anniversary of the solo albums, which is mm-hmm. a lot more important than Animalize's birthday. What was the most recent solo album that you have listened to? There's obviously the 1978 solo albums. Mark. Well, um, actually, it's funny because the other day when I was uh, out doing my comparison tests, when I do my mixes and stuff like that, I sometimes like to bring other um, albums and just to compare for uh, volume quality and, you know, sonics and so on and so forth. And the funny thing is, I brought out the Paul album. Um, I really like Paul Stanley's 78 record. I think it's one of the better song written wise. And I think the production on it is really good. I mean, I, I love the sound of it. Everything under the drums sound great. His guitar tone is really good on that record. And I, I just think that everything is nicely placed on that record. The mix is really well done. And I that's one of the records I always seem to go to. But the funny thing is, and I'll admit this openly right now, 
is that CD in my car, obviously. So I'm listening in the car, the Paul stuff. But I found that the last five out of six times I've played a Kiss record, for whatever reason, I've always been pulling out the Peter Chris solo record for some reason lately and putting it on, mainly because I've been getting a couple of different copies of it, like, you know, getting like a, you know, another pressing, a different variation. So I've been just listening to them. So I've been listening to a Peter Chris one quite a bit, and it has grown on me quite a bit. I'm still not going to put it any higher than last place, but it is irking a bit closer to jeans than it was, you know, years ago. Nice. Lonnie, what about you? Um, I came home the other day and I threw on Paul's solo album just because mm-hmm. it's that damn good. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely the last, the, the last one I listened to was without a doubt Paul Stanley's. And just for that simple reason, it's that good of a record. It's, absolutely well perfection it's really really good that's true ken the last one i put on was a few months ago because i i think i got another vinyl um copy uh different variation uh of the gene simmons uh solo album um so i know i put that on and played it and just you know see how the quality was and it was good. So, and I always, I always enjoyed uh, Gene Simmons' album from the beginning. So, they in a few months. Uh, so, you know, that was the last one. It was a few months ago. But maybe if they release some new vinyl uh, for the solos, I'll, I'll play those, all four of them. Speaking of which, we've heard nothing of them celebrating the fourth anniversary of the solo albums. Yeah, which is awful. They've got five days left. Don't <laughs> this, this they is, announced it on the day of the release. Something. This is Kiss, and uh, <laughs> things things yeah. are apparently it's happening Kiss. with the colored vinyl. The announcement is coming. It's just about what form will it take. Will I be disappointed that it is not a box set of the individual oh. colored vinyl albums in a reproduction 1979 Japanese box with a special edition of the best of the solo albums, including a CD of outtakes? Yeah, good luck with any of that. It'll probably be $40 each for the each. colored discs only available from specific seller and there'll be no liner notes there'll be no nothing and they'll probably get something wrong but at least they'll be out on colored wax which is a positive so be happy for what we do get and don't worry yeah you're you're, you're basically a dog at the table begging for scraps at this point because it, it just doesn't seem to ever be what uh unrealistic expectations demand so um but on, on that little note, the album that I listened to most recently is actually Aces, and I listened to that the least of all of the solo albums. I listened to Peter's more. I listened to Gene's more. And like two of you, I listened to Paul's a lot. Um, but with the shows that were coming up in Berkeley and in Petaluma, it just seemed time to get the album out and just give it a bash on its own, not mix it in with all the other solo albums and put it on random and let it go. So I just played it over and over and over. And I, I'm just, you know, still amazed to this day of how good that album is, how, how good it sounds and how well it has, um, you know, really done over the last 40 years. It does not sound dated. The material sounds as fresh today as it did when I first heard it in 1985. And, you know, that was only, you know, seven years odd since it was uh, recorded. So um, it, it's done stunningly well. It never gets old. And the songs that I don't like on it, I still don't like it. It just never changes. It's it's like old reliable for me. I always go to it and I never have a different opinion of it. I go to Peter's, I might think differently about a song that day. Aces, no. Nah never changed my opinion on anything paul's so i'm like i'm bored of listening to that skip aces no never ever ever like that so you know it's cool i mean when we talk about the solo albums you kind of mentioned it mark the announcement or lack thereof of anything coming from kiss has the boat been missed again have they should they be doing more to celebrate the 40th anniversary of these solo albums? And I'll just go to you first on that. 
Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm always mind boggled by this because every band that I follow, like for example, yes, they've been announcing all kinds of stuff for their 50th anniversary. Case in point, 50th anniversary, yes, live at the Apollo, and this is the version with you know John Anderson, Trevor Rabin, and uh, Rick Wakeman, the offshoot, the second version of Yes. But I mean, here they are, 50th anniversary, and they're putting out stuff. They're doing 50th anniversary tour. They're putting out, a, they put out a special 50th anniversary program. That's really nice that I got. I mean, what does it take for these guys to finally smell the coffee? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm finally getting to the point with them where I'm not expecting anything anymore. And if I do get something, then I'll be overjoyed. Because, I mean, all the other bands, like I said, that I talk about, they always seem to put out something. I'll never get disappointed with King Crimson. There's always a cool box set in the works somewhere with them. You know, and like I said, yes, they're not disappointing. They're putting out stuff for their 50th anniversary. What is it that it, ta- what, that it would take for Kiss to do something similar to this? I know we've talked about a 100 times that, you know, they don't own their catalog and blah, 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 blah. But come on. I mean, Universal by now has got to see that people want this stuff, you know? Yeah, come on. Look at Def Leppard and that box set that they just released of four albums. Yeah. Um, why on earth can't they just do even a simple box of four CDs? I mean, come on. It's like a no-brainer. <laughs> Angel, the whole fucking catalog is about to come out on Friday yeah. in a box. you know, And nothing ever seems to happen with Kiss, and it's just so goddamn disappointing. I mean, I don't know what the problem is. I mean, what what is the major malfunction? Is it that they don't control anything? Is it that they don't care? I mean, Paul's got Wentworth Gallery things scheduled. Gene has 7-Eleven scheduled, you know, so they're doing stuff. Um, Teach I mean, their own. Yeah. <laughs> Is that really more interesting than marking a single one of their milestones? They missed the boat with, you know, the Love Gun Deluxe. Just a complete clusterfuck, as far as I'm concerned. They didn't do anything with the Live 2, which is the highest point of their kind of live career and everything that they recreated in 1996. The solo albums, nothing. Not a freaking piddle. Yeah. We, we did a show the day that Alive turned 40, and we said the same thing that day. Why isn't there a deluxe edition of Alive coming out today? Because I think we did, like, we recorded the show, like, on a Friday. We're like, why isn't there a 40th yeah. anniversary of Alive coming out today that has those untouched recordings on it? Or or just anything to celebrate these milestones of of excellence i mean this is and these are the songs that you still play to this day 40 years later yeah animalized fuck um just any of these 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 are the songs that you still play 40 years later these are these are the songs that that still put butts in the seats do something to to celebrate the greatness of these albums and there's just there's nothing there, the, unfortunately, it's not that there is nothing. It's that the fucking bootleggers do it, so that you can go out and buy a pirated edition of, you know, Love Gun. I don't want that. Um, or you can buy a pirated edition of the best of the box set on double vinyl. Or now the latest one coming out is, of course, the one that some of us in the collecting community uh, were maligned with being involved with. The you know the not for the innocent CD that's going to come out allegedly. Mm. Um, where the fuck is the record label? These guys bitch about losing revenue, but they never do anything about losing revenue. They never actually – it's not even about thinking outside the box. It's, well, maybe just a little slice on the packing tape to get outside of the fucking box. You know, let some air in and actually release something, do something. You know, not yeah. not even something like rehashing – remember the singles – the uh, the CD si- singles yeah. cassette, not even doing a little box of those. I mean, nothing. It's like devoid of anything whatsoever. Ken, yeah, be be reasonable for us for a minute. Well, as I see it, uh, music, their music and their heritage of music is at the bottom of their. Um. What's more important to them is, is putting a name on uh, uh, a, you know, their name or logo on a piece of toilet paper. Or, or a soda. 
or or uh, or, a, or a shitty a soda, deformed a, a doll, stuffed, a, a stuffed animal. Don't don't uh, like the dolls. Did did you see the dolls? Don't knock the guy, dolls. Paul Stanley. Um, they they, turn, they turn Paul Stanley into a troll. I mean, uh, Jesus, they actually uh, let someone license him and do that more, to him. It's more about uh, junk and then about respecting. Let's, let's show some respect for the music and their the heritage, their 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 history of music. What what the heck is wrong? I mean, come on, this is what made you. The music made you guys. Uh, yes, and the show, sure, they're going to do this tour, um, but the music needs to happen. Look at Metallica. They're coming out with another box also, uh, Justice for All. Uh, Guns N' Roses had theirs recently. Uh, Kiss can do a box for every dang album they've done. I Watch mean, your language. Start at one. Yeah, I know. I, I caught myself. <laughs> Try to keep it clear here. Um, but they could do a box for I mean, why can't they monetize all that stuff? I don't care. They should go to the label and and yeah. and, and talk to about a, a plan to to create some kind of archive collection like you know Paul McCartney has done, you know, for instance. Maybe maybe we're gonna get that. Maybe we're we're sitting here bitching and complaining today, and maybe next year with the whole end of the road or whatever the hell you want to call it, it's going to happen. Maybe they're going to have stuff to coincide with this to, to, to whet our appetite. Maybe there, maybe there's, maybe there's plans in the works that they're going to do something with, you know, make the first, either, even if it's just like the first original six albums or something, I don't know. I, I, I would think that there'd be some kind of marketing plan behind this tour to celebrate the music next year. Maybe, maybe that's what we're waiting on. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, but so far they haven't celebrated their music at all. Really. No, I know they don't. They they don't seem to I respect their history. They don't seem to respect their legacy. If they respected any of this, if they respected their legacy, they would have performed at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, like, but they they, they clearly don't. <laughs> they they clearly don't care about anything. I mean, if you think of Def Leppard has had a deluxe edition for Pyromania specifically, for Hysteria, for Adrenalize. Okay. Uh, hysteria you can kind of understand mega fucking album uh even pyromania to that extent even though there's not that much to actually package with it but adrenalize i mean come on they even did a deluxe edition for slang really yeah wow that's crazy (laughs) and since then they've done you know a a ton of you know massive release so you know, what is Kiss's excuse for, you know, here we are, 40th anniversary of one of the biggest things in music history, four simultaneous releases of solo albums, all co-branded, all co-packaged, you know, right down to having all the point-of-sale bags. And here we are five days out, and there's very little murmur of anything. So what the fuck yeah. I'm, i mean you know i'm part of me but it, it, it it's just you know year after year after year of disappointment with this band yeah metallica is doing these gigantic boxes and and justice is next not without yeah. its own disappointment that they mm-hmm. still haven't properly mixed in the bass even if they do have work reference mixes in there uh we don't know what's going to be there or the demos which uh, some people have said didn't have a whole lot of bass either but you know, these giant LP size boxes with what twelve CDs and DVDs, picture discs. They they actually showed uh, they had a Kirk Hammett do an unboxing of it online. If you go on YouTube, you'll see <clears throat> Kirk Hammett unboxing the latest Justice for All box set. And the thing that I when I watched it, what, really he, impressed he, he, me. He, he let go of his whammy bar long enough to do an unboxing. <clears throat> wow! Yeah, wow! So, wow! Well, but here's the thing that really impressed me about it, and this is this is an example of a band that takes their stuff really seriously. When they showed the vinyl, Kirk Hammett showed it, one like this, and he showed the, the dead wax, like he pointed out, he goes, pressed on the Metallica press, and he goes, that's right, he goes, Metallica has their own vinyl printing press, like their own vinyl press that they have in a factory and press their own vinyl. See, they don't care about waiting for anybody else to come around and do it when they want to. They do it on their own with their own shit. So why can't Kiss, you know, go ahead 
and pressure their label to go ahead and do stuff like this for them too. I mean, Metallica do it like that. No problem. Look at their boxes. They're beautiful, you know, because Metallica gets it. Metallica gets it. Cause you can go on their website and you can buy their, buy the concert that you want to yeah. or any concert that you want to all the things, all mm-hmm. the things that we say that kiss should be doing. Metallica is doing. Yeah. They can too. They control they, they the big difference. Like Motley, they control. Sure, though, their, they control it. They I know. Can, I, they I, control I get it. their catalog, and Kiss apparently doesn't control it and has walked away from it. Apart from the the very you know least the leastest possible, you know, which is a shame. I mean, Kiss Kiss really should have publishing arm, should have video arm, should have audio arm, should have official bootleg arm. Um, I mean, come on. Some of these multi-camera shots that fans have put together, they should be going to the people who did them saying, give me your sources and put them out and monetize them themselves and put the fucking bootleggers out of business. I mean, there's some very good stuff that's been put out unofficially. Well, the band technically owns all of that and can easily tell people, well, maybe not. I don't know the legal side of it well enough to actually say, but if, you know, other bands like Pearl Jam and Metallica can do bootlegs and there are bootlegs on this and Justice for All box, you know, come on. I mean, I mean, why can't I said this before? Why can't they buy it all back? I mean. They really are. They're brilliant businessmen, aren't they? Yeah, that's obvious. Buy it back. I mean, Universal, they don't even release anything anymore, hardly. Uh, Yeah, we got that Destroyer red vinyl recently for a limited amount of copies, but that was... Universal's trying to monetize off it. I don't think they give a crap. I don't think they're making that much money off of it, or they don't see see it as a moneymaker. Uh, because they don't want to put money into it, into it to, the, to the project to try to create these box sets and whatever else. Uh, I think Kiss should buy their stuff back and get some some people on board, fans, you know, maybe. Let's start uh, a GoFundMe. That, are, <laughs> that can, yeah, <laughs> join, that yeah, can float, can float Kiss, float kiss on the stock exchange. <laughs> to, uh, help them put this into a projects, you know, projects uh, that you know, build each album and, and all the materials that can go into books and just everything that yeah. you can think of. But, you know, the funny thing is, already. yeah, but the funny thing is that well, I think that Kiss have given up on the whole business thing. I think they're just content on just being a performing band. They don't care so much about the business side, because if you look at some of these other bands, they they went ahead now, started their own indie label got their shit back and started releasing it. I mean, lots of bands have, have done that. Zappa, Family Trust has done it. You know, King Crimson got all their stuff back and released it on their own label now too. I mean, that, and that's the thing to do. But you have to realize that when you do that, when you go and make your own label and do that, there's a lot of work behind it. Maybe Kisser had it up to here with business and don't want to do it. So maybe that's why they're not pursuing it. Because if you're going to do that, the best route for them to do it is to get their stuff back, make their own label independently and just release everything like that because they're you can't rely on universal because universal has so many labels under their umbrella and so many bands and bands that are bigger to them than kiss so kiss will not be a priority to them as far as releasing anything yeah you know it's just a a shame at this point if kiss had a publishing arm i would have put odyssey the solo book and crazy nights books out through them you know, if if we could have just come to a reasonable mm-hmm. arrangement, you know, which meant that I take less money in order to get their interviews and have them included and someone else handles including photographs and all that shit that that would have been like perfect. And then they make money off yeah. it. I make a little and, you know, everyone's happy. But yeah. there's no vision. There's there's no ideas. And, yeah, the control of it is one thing. And we, we talk about this a lot because I think it's something that bugs a lot of people. It's one of those things that is at the core of all these releases. Every record store day comes and goes, and there's nothing, and there's no interest, and then you get something that's really kind of substandard. It's just, it's it's like, is the licensing fee for a doll that looks like it's melted wax more important? Whoa, 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 whoa. It has a little candle, you're going to light a little. I'm sorry, that, that Paul looks like melt. a melt, that melt, it's like it's a pre it's like a deformed doll. That, 
That might be one of the worst things I've ever seen. The Family Guy. I love the dolls, but that might be one of the worst things I've ever seen. I mean, I mean look, at, look at the ones behind you. Those look badass. Those look absolutely fantastic. Those, Those are cool from 20 years ago. Yeah, and, you know, I I still wouldn't buy them, but I'm like, that looks cool. <laughs> and, like, this guy here, he's cool. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a McFarlane. Yeah. Yeah. And then you see what it's become, and then you see the comics, and you see, oh, it, it's just like Hello Kitty. It, <laughs> It's like what? Are we, what have we done to deserve this? Uh, I guess we. I, I guess what we've done is buy it. Two hundred episodes. That's yeah. what we've done to deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's so what you're cool. saying is it's their fault, <laughs> right? You're you're, you're, pa- you're passing the buck if you if you buy substandard kiss shit just to keep these licensees kind of breaking even, they're going to keep buying licenses for substandard shits that you're going to keep buying. Well, Julian, you know, you said the, and we've heard that this little albums is in the works. Um, we'll see how they do with that and whether they, they get it right or not. Um, and maybe depending on how that turns out, maybe it's, this will be the beginning of hopefully more, to become if it, um, if, it, if, it, if it really does well um yes so I'll, i mean okay, how su- surprise me surprise me amaze me creatures make me look stupid i mean I, that would be if, awesome if it does yeah. come to fruition and it's really cool you know everyone needs to go out and buy it to encourage more things like this to ha- more things like that potentially like that i guess to happen in the future yeah because that's the only way it's going to happen is if people go out and buy it or else people don't buy it. Is it, you know, yeah. why waste our time and, and put together a, a rock and roll over the like set or something. 2019, you have the 40th anniversary of and, and people bust, Yeah. People busted me up when I did the show uh, with Roger uh, that neither of us said dynasty. So no. <laughs> you, you've got, you've got the 40th anniversary of that album coming out. There are quite a few outtakes from that, album not not only the disco mixes of dirty living um the single mix of hard times the uk mix of 2000 man the disco mix of i was made for making a burrito yeah Uh, that's my son getting his dinner Uh, (laughs) and and it's actually a curry so no burritos in this house so that is another opportunity that had some very good international releases. I'm thinking of Japan and the poster that was included in uh, certain versions of that album. Um, again, opportunities that with they only now have until May 2019 to get something sorted out for that album. You know, and again, there are a lot of different mixes available of material from that album. There are outtakes, say Peter Chris's uh, demos that were recorded under Casablanca, which should technically or theoretically be controlled by Universal at this point because they were under the contract. So you've got Rumble, you've got Out of Control. You've Out of got, Control. You know, yeah. all four of those demos. You've got demos from Paul. You've got the work tapes of Sure Know Something, I Was Made for Loving You, and uh, did they do Dirty Living as the third one on like that eight hours? So they've got a lot of mm. demos. And they also have radio, because uh, some of the most important KISS t- uh, radio appearances did occur in promotion of that album. So they should be thinking about that. And then after that, you have Unmasked. Well, what about a remix of Unmasked? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give it a little bit yes. of balls. What about the Naked City demo? All of these things yeah. happen sequentially, that on a yearly basis they could be doing whether they have a custom website for the dwindling fan base <laughs> that you are paying a higher premium say like a pledge mm-hmm. so you know you know i would have paid 250 for a proper box of the solo albums on colored vinyl with lots of uh, little insert shit and maybe a bonus ep you know it if it's yeah. something that is good value, then you can pay a premium and you can get away with selling fewer copies. Think of Gene's Vault. You know, that that's really like the ultra mm-hmm. example of that kind of uh, mentality. So, you know, what would I pay for a super deluxe of Dynasty off a website that I am a member of and you get to see little video things and maybe how much effort does it take Paul to sit down for half an hour just to record some sound bites? 
Too yeah. much, apparently. Too much, apparently. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's the problem, Lonnie. Too much. Yeah. I mean, the more we talk about it, the more sad and depressing it gets, <laughs> this kind of stuff, because like we said before, we, we come up with all these great ideas and, you know, so do the people who watch this show. They leave all kinds of great comments about stuff that could, you know, be done for it. And mm-hmm. it just falls on deaf ears and, you know, the the moment passes. And it's it's really heartbreaking because for a band that always seems to say that, you know, they're in it for their fans, it would be nothing without their fans. They're doing very little to reward their fans. You know, I mean, other bands have done a lot more for their fans than Kiss have. And if you and if they're actually listening to that, I'll look to Square Nine and tell them that you do nothing for your fans. OK, bang your fist on the table, Mark. Come on. You do nothing. <laughs> OK, we demand action. OK. We want products. We want more box sets. We want outtakes. Come on. I mean, every, everything's there. I, 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 like, like Julian said, you, there's so many great products that can be made. And for somebody like oh, – He's in the middle of a hot take. Oh, Gene. <laughs> he's, yeah, but, he's in the middle of a hot take and yeah, his but, Wi-Fi froze. Oh, Mark, did it go? Perf- perfect timing. You're just going to have to do take two on that. <laughs> Well, no, I was just saying, like, for Gene, somebody who's such a big business guy, for him not to jump on all these great ideas that I'm sure he could have, you know, heard on here or other places and, you know, heard people talk about why he hasn't capitalized on it, I have no idea. Why you haven't monetized it? I mean, come on. If you think of all the money that you have lost by doing nothing over the last 20 years when it comes to actually interesting releases... The bootleggers have made the money. How's yeah. that make How's that make you feel? That you let all those coins and dollars just fall by the waypoint, and people are selling CDs for sixty fucking dollars on eBay. How much of that are you getting, Gene? Imagine, imagine nothing, nothing imagine whatsoever. Like you, imagine, yeah. Julian, like you said, a, a, a nice Dynasty box set. It's a box. You open it up. You have the CDs in there. You have a. It's a gatefold too. You have a gatefold vinyl, and it opens up. And you have in the middle, you have either the poster or you have the maybe the the one where they're wearing the straight jacket. You see that in there. Yeah, uh, and and the cover is the version the, of the album without the airbrushing to exactly. And then exactly. you explain why on the inside and. Ken exactly. Sharp tells you a story about the everything. Story. It exactly. makes too much sense. That's why. It's, yeah. God, I, I mean, what, what, a, what a band to be into that has such a visual and musical history. <laughs> and, yeah. 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 But you know, the the funny thing is too, when we're talking about them losing money on it, like for example, I just read this the other day. Like Frank Zappa, he got really annoyed when people bootleggers were starting to make money off of bootleg releases of his music what did he do he turned around and released a series of albums called the frank zappa road tapes on cd then there were a bunch of shows that he that are actual bootlegs he put them out himself and he said he pretty much crippled his bootleg competition because of it because all those shows that they were putting out he put them out in better quality out on his own and therefore they nobody went to the bootlegger they went to him and took got the same shows but better you know what I mean? Like that's exactly what we're talking about here. Why don't they do that? Yeah, especially when you think about how many soundboards there are from concerts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why aren't those out? You just gonna wait until someone actually gets their grubby mitts on them and actually and bootlegs and them? Bootlegs them? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what what the hell are you sitting on? This is not a retirement stream. You're losing money <laughs> because Kiss fans are now at the age where we're dying. You are losing yeah. your your, yeah. your your ATMs. I mean, you've waited too long to actually put stuff out now that a lot of KISS fans are passing away. Or don't care. Getting divorced, having their stuff (laughs) sold at Goodwill, and not caring anymore. Because they've waited and waited and waited. Nothing ever happens. Nothing new ever happens. Nothing of interest actually brings them back in. That it, it, you know, the concerts are the same. Every, you know, you haven't seen them in five years, and you go and really, it's the same fucking video screen. It's the same video background, and yeah. I just paid three times the I, ticket. I hope that's not the case next year. 
Right. It can't be. What would they care if it's the if it's the end? What would they care? They don't care. <laughs> they're just like there. they're like sliding into home base here. Well, this is really uplifting, guys. I know. <laughs> I feel sad all of a sudden. <laughs> so we're we're celebrating the Adam. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> Even more uplifting. You know, it, 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 it's hard not to get depressed. And I, I think at this point, you know, it, it's like a game show where you got to call a buddy and say, hey, give me a reason to live. G- give me a reason to keep believing in this band. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> little, little crazy nights there. But, you know, why should anyone still care about this band when they don't seem to care about themselves anymore? Talk is down. I mean, is is that what you feel out there? Does this band care, or have they been done and we're just catching up to reality? It's a sad thought. Yeah. All right, let's leave that there. Because Thanks for listening. This, <laughs> I now definitely need another beer after that. Are we gonna make it to two hundred and two episodes? <laughs> No matter what, Lonnie, we made it to 200. <laughs> we'll find out next week. 201 is definitely going to happen because um, I've been asking people, and hopefully everyone who's involved in the show is uh, polling their friends for the next episode's all about you. And that, dear listener, is uh, what are the things you want to ask us? If you want to ask Mark a question, ask him. Send it to us um, you know, on Facebook or elsewhere. You know, Email kissfaq at outlook.com. You know, want to ask Ken a question. You want to have Ken answer a question about his fandom, Lonnie, about his. Uh, who's going to be on the show next week? Daniel, everyone's favorite. Yeah, Daniel. So we, we've got a bunch of really good questions that fans have asked, and I guarantee you will want to, if you've uh, pressed skip, then you're not hearing this. But uh, there have been a lot of good questions submitted so far, uh, some ones that uh, you might think I might shirk and press delete on i'm i'm gonna answer those those tough ones as much as i try and avoid drama maybe a little bit of salt and pepper will spice things up so questions know. from the faq and from facebook mm-hmm. you know so you know something we haven't addressed before a topic if we don't get to it in the next episode we'll probably do future episodes where we go back to some of these questions that we have not answered but uh i guess for now on such a high point that we ended this episode uh is anyone still listening anyway yeah (laughs) it's better just to say ideas see you next time from mark from ken from lonnie and myself thanks for listening and if you are still listening thanks for suffering through that dirge of melancholy misery bye for now thank you for spending time listening to the kiss FAQ podcast today all sales are final there are no refunds If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.